0: Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there.
1: Fear is just feedback. When you look at fear as feedback instead of this thing you're not supposed to have or that you're supposed to be fearless, you take away from the shame.
0: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 258. Today, we're talking about how to let your fears make you fierce with Koya Webb. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, now with over a million downloads. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Field's Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years, I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids, which, by the way, did you even know it's in audiobook form now? Oh my goodness. Happy New Year! Oh my gosh, it's 2021. I am so happy 2020 is over. And I didn't even realize until like a few weeks ago that Raising Good Humans is an audiobook, which is such great news because obviously this is an audio format. So you guys have been asking me for audiobook format for so long, and the publisher didn't let me know that it was in audiobook. But it is! So you can find it anywhere audiobooks are sold. Raising Good Humans is there. Yay! Great way to start the new year with some new habits and practices and things that will bring you closer to your children and help you become more present as a parent, and it's coming out in hardcover too, which is crazy. So hey, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to a new year. Oh my goodness, are you not so relieved? I think that we can bring some hope into our lives. I've got crocuses starting to come up in my garden. I'm just feeling a little more hopeful about everything now. Oh my goodness. So this is going to be a great episode in just a moment. I am going to be sitting down with Koya Webb, and she's an internationally recognized yoga teacher and celebrity holistic health coach. And she's on a mission to promote self-love and making healthy living a priority in a fun and accessible way. She's the author of Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth, which is great. And she even has a celebrity roster of clients, including India Ari, Stevie Wonder, P. Diddy, Ashley Judd, and more. So I'm so excited for you to dive into this conversation. We're going to talk about how we all experience fears and really how, you know, they can hold us back from living authentically and achieving our full potential. So what do we do with them? What do we do with our fears? So Koya tells us that our fears can be our teachers and make us Fierce and we can turn those obstacles into seeds for growth, which I love. So I want you to listen for a few of my favorite takeaways how we don't have to be afraid of fear, that fear is feedback, and that to be mentally fit is to let go of limiting beliefs. And we talk a lot about affirmations, how they help break through that not good enough fear. I think that wherever you are in your life, this is going to be a really, really helpful conversation. Make sure you listen all the way to the end because we talk about some fabulous stuff and I, I know you are going to get a lot out of it. It's a great way for you to kickstart 2021 with new aspirations and hopefulness. So I, I hope you like it. So let's dive right into it, shall we? Join me at the table as I talk to Koya Webb. Koya, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm really enjoying your book. Let your fears make you fierce. And then as I I was reading it and like looking forward to talking to you, and then I was like seeing like, oh my goodness, like you taught yoga to Stevie Wonder and like my favorite, you know, like my most like ins- inspirational song artist, like India Arie. I have like five of her songs on my my favorite playlist. I was like, Oh my goodness. So I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, and you, your book is all about overcoming fears. So there's gotta be like that, that story in that of your own fears and, and what you were, what you had to over overcome with that. So I'm, I'm just wondering if you can kind of take us back to your own story and what were the sort of the, the, and I, I, I really love the message of like, kind of this, like, let your fears be your teachers. Cause I, I look at like with mindful parenting, I look at like my anger and my temper that came out, like as my teacher, you know, it was like my biggest teacher. Right. So I really, really appreciate it now, but I, and, and yours, I love this as this is your fears. So, so tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things you said that I want to make sure that I I speak to is, um, you know, I didn't necessarily teach yoga <laughs> to Stevie Wonder, but um, as a holistic health and wellness coach, I work on all the pillars of wellness. So mental, spiritual, physical, I help people, especially when I work with celebrities, I help them develop a well-rounded health practice. So mm. that includes nutrition. So I did make a lot of food um, for Stevie Wonder, which is <laughs> amazing. So made a lot of food and looked at every area of wellness, whether it be like walking or resting or all of the pillars of wellness is what I work with as a health and wellness practitioner. And yoga is one beautiful one that really includes all of them. But most people, when they think yoga, they think yoga poses or, mm-hmm. you know, just stretching. But um, so a lot of times, even my yoga school, Get Loved Up Yoga School, I call it holistic health and yoga because when most people think of yoga, they just think of poses. And, so, and the reason I, I, I bring that out is because kind of getting into let your fears make you fierce, it is a look at the whole self and how can we look at all of us mentally spiritually and physically and i know that's so cliche now like people say like i want to be mentally spiritually and physically fit well what does that even mean like really like what does that mean and so in the book i break down to be mentally fit is Letting go of limiting beliefs, and I have a whole like part we talk about naming the limiting beliefs and naming the fears, whether it be uh, feeling like you're not strong enough, or feeling like you're too old, or feeling like you can't do something, and and talking about it and t- changing it, them into liberating affirmations, and how affirmations affirms who you are, and when you speak something, it actually has a vibrational. Sp- frequency and it's not just oh these random affirmations like no you're raising the frequency of yourself and of others by speaking these things to existence. if you look on youtube you can go to the water test and you can see how when you write the word love on a glass of water and anger on another glass you can see the the um glass and i don't know if anger was a word but it was some word in the vibration of fear like fear and and um it got moldy and 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 really like convoluted, whereas a glass that had love on it, it stayed clear. And so we are like water. We are made up of like 70% water. So we have to understand that words, music, the news, all mm-hmm. of those things are affecting our vibrational frequency. So, so I really go into not too deep into the science, but enough for people to know that this is why affirmations work. This is why meditation work. This is why it's important to get outside in nature. This is what your chakra system is. These are your spiritual energy centers that most people didn't talk about. Like I grew up in Tennessee. I didn't know anything about a chakra or a spiritual energy center. I didn't know what that was. But once I learned what these things were, I was able to work on my own mental health, especially, and especially for mamas out there, like, you know, we have a lot of responsibility and it's just like, you have to know how to put yourself first and give yourself grace and take care of yourself. So in that book, let your fears make you fears. It's just taking people through a very simple way to start loving yourself, loving others and loving the world, but in that order, like Mm. putting the self-care first. Mm.
0: Yeah. I love that. Loving yourself loving each other and then, and then the world. So what, what were the fears that you had to overcome?
1: So for me, it was just like a fear of my full expression. And I'm a very multifaceted, um, multi-passionate person. And I like doing a lot of things. Like I have songs out there that most people don't know about. Like I've produced my own songs and I used to run track and field, which, you know, most people know, Before I actually found yoga from having a track and field injury, I hurt my lower back and yoga helped me heal, but not just physically, also mentally. And when I say spiritually, I also talk about how we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And a lot of people say, will say like, oh, I don't know my purpose, but when you go into meditation, you realize that your purpose is always with you. We just got so many distractions to it because we think about, oh, my parents want me to do this, or I'm supposed to do this like someone else. We get all of these, caveats but really when we're born we have a specific purpose we you know as a baby it's just to love and be loved like that's all of our general our general um purpose and then if we are able to tune in more on a regular basis with meditation we can be in alignment with the things that bring us the most joy and that is purposeful living it's not about you doing one thing over another it's about living and doing the things and being around the people that bring you the highest amount of joy and doing that again and again and again and again.
0: I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom.
0: You know, you had the. I can relate actually to the lower back injury as well. Like with yoga, when I did um, when I I did a yoga teacher training in 2005, and when I went there, I've always had this sort of like a history of that lower back stuff from my father. And then I went there and I drove for five hours to this this place, and then we went in the car for five hours. And the first class that was offered was an Ashtanga Primary Series class, which is like you know forward fold, forward fold, forward fold, forward fold. And so I hurt and I was like all full of ego, like I'm really flexible. I'm in this yoga teacher training. I have to show this teacher like (laughs) what I can do. And I basically pulled my lower back in like the first day, first hour of a month long intensive yoga teacher training. And it was like this real instruction of like how to, how to, take care of yourself and practice in such a a way like that that one can do that and and i felt like it really was a very spiritual training too because it was like this lesson of kind of self healing you know etc i'm wondering like with your track and field or uh, your track injury was you know you discovered yoga to sort of heal your lower back as well was it what was it tell us a little bit more about that story
1: Absolutely. And my heart goes out to you because <laughs> I'm, when you get into those situations where it's like you already had a tender back and then you go into yoga, it's so important when you go into no- yoga that it's not, you know, trying to prove yourself, which is, you know, it's it's hard. It's like our human desire to want to show what we can do. But when we go into yoga that way, it actually can have the opposite effect when Technically, when you have an injury and you go into yoga, you're able to breathe, you're able to get the blood flow going, and you're able to really connect with your your heart and your breath, which actually promotes healing and recovery. But if you're pushing yourself too hard, which as a teacher and as, you know, the owner of my own uh, yoga studio, and, you know, I always tell the teachers, especially online, now that we're teaching online, I'm certifying, certifying teachers online, the biggest thing is, do not push yourself further than you can go. And you have to say it so many times as a teacher because naturally students will want to do what they see or what they see you do or what they think they're supposed to do. And a lot of times that's way too far. Like it's really just about making a connection, leaning into a bit of discomfort, but not pushing yourself as far as you can go. So for me, when I first started yoga, I was a tight, athlete and I was so tight my hamstrings were so tight from running from lifting weights I was so tight and I had a stress fracture in my fourth lumbar vertebra. so for those back people it's like the lower back and uh I didn't know I was hurt until I had this sharp pain and I dropped to the floor and I thought I'd gotten shot it was that intense and that sudden and I wasn't even on the track I was walking from class when I was in college and so I was like whoa what happened and so i went to the to the doctors and they were like you have a stress fracture you're out for the season i'm like wait what because i was on full scholarship and i thought oh like God. other athletes like you're going to lose your scholarship like you don't matter anymore and so i went into a very dark depression because i felt like well if i don't have track like what do i have like what am i going to do and i know a lot of people feel like that like you know if you lose a job or lose a loved one it's like it's like all of a sudden you don't really plan for it some situations where you can plan you know something's transitioning there's other situations where something just flatlines you and you're like what comes out of nowhere and so that's what happened to me and I was crying in classes and my teacher was like you got to go to the counselor because you're disturbing the class and I understand that you know they people knew what happened and so I went to the counselor and I was just like, I don't want to be here. Like, what, a, what is my life? You know, cause I put so much work into becoming great on the track. And, you know, uh, I, I wanted to get my education and I did, which is why I was overworking. I, you know, I ended up with a three, eight and, you know, grades were important to me, but I wasn't sleeping.
0: Mm-hmm. I wasn't
1: taking care of myself, even though I was like, you know, I looked healthy. The fact that I was running myself into the ground so hard, which A lot of moms do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I ended up hurting myself. And so. Um, when I went to my first yoga class, I remember seeing people in these uncomfortable positions. I'm like, mm-hmm. ow, this hurts. Like I couldn't even touch my toes. I was like, oh, this is not me. I'm an athlete. I'm not a yogi. And I was so resistant as some people might look at my page now and they'd be like, you're so flexible. And I was like, trust me, I was not all always this way. And it takes time. And I try to always tell people, be patient. Don't try to be where I am tomorrow. Cause this is happening. And even my practice, like I don't push myself to be the hardest or I don't push myself to be a contortionist or something like that. I lean into my practice and I breathe with my practice and I try to improve every single day and I try to improve a little bit, a little bit. And I feel like that's how we should be in life. We have to remember, we don't have to go from one to 100 overnight. And a lot of times, even, you know, when you, when you have a start of family, it's like so much that you don't know. And so many times we thrust ourselves into having to figure it, having to be perfect at it, right? And that that sense of perfection, it a lot of times can cause a lot of anxiety and mental health problems because really we just need to do the best we can and reach out and embrace community and ask questions and allow ourselves to be, um, you know, um, seen as we are. And I feel like in yoga, I learned that you don't have to be perfect. The teacher came to me and she said, Koya, I just want you to breathe. Don't try to get in the hard pose. She's like, I don't care if you sit there and just breathe the entire class, that's fine. And that I literally tell my students that today. I'm like, if this, if this practice gets too tough, just breathe. And you don't have to do any poses. You can sit there, you can lie down and breathe. And I think that's the best advice ever for anyone out there who ever tries a yoga class and I definitely hope you do my yoga classes online or any yoga class know that if you're breathing you're doing it right know that if you're breathing it's enough and from there you will give yourself grace and you just get better and better over time and you can really experience the sweet benefits of yoga. Without kind of experience what you experienced a lot, you know, it happened, it going the opposite way. So, yoga, after going in at it for like six months, I returned to the track, but I wasn't fully healed. And that's the thing. Sometimes you test and you think, okay, I'm ready. I've been doing this work, but it's like, oh, I still felt a pain. So, I had to be humble and I had to go back. And so, I was out for an entire year and after that I was fully healed but not only again my body i also i slept longer i had a balanced schedule um i did my meditation and i continued i continued my stretching more but honestly i i didn't continue my yoga practice and i could tell you more about that later on. i should have and i do now but at that point i was like peace out thanks yoga appreciate the healing <laughs> <laughs> and I just was like, thank you. And I went to the track. I ended up winning my first. Uh we are actually winning the conference meet myself and the high jump and the heptathlon and leading my team, which to say to their first women's championship as the as the um captain. I feel like so many times that we are, are afraid of being uncomfortable. And it's such a it's such a gray area, right? Because it's like, well, how uncomfortable is too much uncomfortableness. And I feel like we have to trust ourselves. And as women, we're naturally intuitive. So you really have to trust like, okay, this feels like a a stretch and this feels like a little uncomfortable. And then like, ow, that hurts. So that's the difference. And I feel like when we have challenges in life, there's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. And there's like, I feel like I'm in rage, or I feel super like this is a, a clear no. And I feel like if we kind of lean into that, and our practice teaches us to lean into that. So if we're able to do it on our mats, and that's why I think yoga is so good. It's like, okay, you want to go deeper in life, try something in your yoga practice that you find hard that you shy away from. And for me, it's inversions, because I have a lean upper body, and I have kind of, kind of body heavy, thick legs and, and everything. And I always felt like it was so much harder for me to get it because my I'm like, how are these little arms gonna hold up all this body? You know? <laughs> and and I'd always fall over and I practice and practice. It was so hard for me. So, you know, I was like, maybe it's just not for me, but really it's just gonna take longer. And I'm also tall. So when you're taller or you it takes you a little bit longer. There's longer levers, so it takes you a little bit longer to get things, even in yoga, because like I remember I would see people and my teachers didn't know how to teach me because I was taller, and you have to round the to get your foot between the hands and you have to have a certain amount of flexibility to get there. So I would see other people, maybe starting the class as beginners too, they get there a lot quicker. And I'm like, something's just wrong with my legs or because I have long legs, I'll never be able to do that. And so sometimes because we start with a different deck of cards or we start with less than someone else, we might think it's not possible. But so many things are possible, but it takes looking at things in a different way and maybe you take a different route. So for me on the mat, What that looked like was I had to gain more flexibility, more strength, I had to articulate my body in a certain way, and now I can smoothly step into the front of the mat without taking my hand and placing my foot there, which is how I started. And in life, that looks like, you know, at first it was really hard for me to, you know, gain respect in the wellness community, especially as a woman of color. But it was like, hey, I've been doing yoga for this long. These are, these are what, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. And I really had to stand up for myself. And it was very uncomfortable because I felt like, you know, hey, I'm not getting the same opportunities and I'm not getting the same like recognition and I'm doing a lot of work and I love it. And I don't need to, the recognition necessarily um, to be happy with my life. But I feel like that I'm being overlooked and I need to speak up for myself. And I feel like when you're used to doing things that are a bit uncomfortable, because usually you don't want to ruffle and say, oh, I'm cool. I'm fine. It's okay. No, even in relationships, if you feel like, hey, my partner is not appreciating me. All this work that I do at home and with these kids and so many times, it's like we have like five different jobs as women at home, like, you know, cooking, cleaning and picking things up and taking care of the kids. And I love these videos where the male switches roles with the mama and they they have to do that. And they're like, okay, I can go to the job and sit in the office and do the thing. And you switch roles and actually the the partner and then you know this can be in any type of relationship where the partners switch roles and you get to see the role how hard it is to do the role of of another person and i think that's really important because you really don't understand how hard it is until you flip the perspective and you realize like okay this is hard for me and this is this is different, but I can do it. But it's gonna take some practice. It's gonna take some work, and I shouldn't have to force myself to be perfect at it right off the bat. And I feel like yoga brings you that awareness of like you don't have to be perfect at anything right off the bat. And it's gonna take time to build up, um, to build up just not just success, but it's gonna be take time to build up just really knowing. How to do things where it works well for everyone involved especially when it comes to relationships you know when you get in there you want to be perfect at a relationship but you literally got to get to know a whole nother person and in parenting it's like you want to be perfect if it, it's like you got to get to know a whole nother human and still take care of yourself and in jobs it's like okay you got to get to know this whole community the community how people work what how people think so it's like if we give ourselves more grace I think we can give others more grace and if we give others we're raised, then together, we're able to come to a place of understanding where no one has to be perfect, but we're not afraid to like communicate. We're not afraid to kind of lean into the uncomfortableness, but not bite up more than we can chew. And I feel like they're cre- that creates more harmony in life.
2: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy
0: absolutely absolutely i the, all of the things you do, there's so much there you said a lot of things that I, I really can relate to and appreciate. Um, I want to kind of talk about this idea of fears right because a lot of people have fears, a lot of women especially feel even bad for having fears, like we look at something like the, even like the word anxiety and People feel bad for having it. We want to kind of stuff it away we don 't know how to deal with it and so I guess in some ways like i 'm kind of asking like there, there are kind of like general anxieties, but then there are sort of like bigger fears and you kind of identify ways to identify and overcome fears um, in in the book. Can you tell us a little bit more about what are some of the common fears maybe that we have that people have that? Sometimes if we, if we name them out loud, like here on the podcast, we be like, oh yeah, that's me. Um, And some of the, you know, what is that process for overcoming fears that you've developed? I love
1: that question. And I would say the number one thing that I feel like has helped people the most when identifying fears is realizing that fear is just feedback. When you look at fear as feedback, instead of this thing you should not supposed to have, or that you're supposed to be fearless, you're, you take away from the shame, you take away the shame and guilt from me like, oh, okay, I'm having a little fear here. This is feedback. Where do I need to understand my position more? Where do I need to understand the world more? Where do I need to understand another person more? because this fear is coming up for me. So when you look at fear as feedback, that's literally the first step to acknowledge it. And if you're looking at it as like a bad thing that you shouldn't have, you're not going to acknowledge it. You're like, no, no, I don't have any fear. I'm good. It's like, no, actually I am having a little like uncomfortability. Like, because fear starts with uncomfortability, like, oh, it's uncomfortable. So the body gets uncomfortable when it's scared. Like, oh, I might go too far. I might get stretched too much or you know, if we are going to touch a hot stove. you feel it warm first. And it's like, oh, you, the body might tense up. It's like, oh, that, that's getting more than I can take. So fear is a good thing. It's a protective mechanism. But what happens when we come talk about things like anxiety, it's compounded fear that has not been addressed over time. And so it's like, I'm scared of this but I'm just maybe accepting it and I'm not doing anything about it. So I keep getting these signs and actually my fear is increasing. The feedback is increasing. So hopefully, (laughs) eventually I do something about it. So it's our body being our best friend. Fear is our best friend. Fear is feedback. And so when you look at fear as a best friend, when you look at fear as feedback, you develop a healthy relationship with the fear and then you're able to look at that feedback and say, okay, well, I have a fear of, Going out on my own and starting my own business. That's a big one. Like, I, I'm, I'm scared, like, because, you know, what if I fail? Well, what if you fly? <laughs> you know, and it's like, if you're able to say, okay, fear is feedback. And then in the book, I break down when you have the fear, you ask yourself, what do you need? Do you need more support? Do you need more resources? Do you need more education? Do you need more time? Once you acknowledge the fear, then you can go through the steps of saying, okay, what do I need to do? So I would have less fear. A lot of times just having someone with you, like, Oh, I feel so supported. You know, now I feel like I could do this. or I have an accountability partner. Now I'm not, I'm not alone. So, you know, maybe we can even have fear together. (laughs) And so, it's really just like acknowledging it first and then finding out what you need. And again, in the book, I just give specific steps to help a person figure out, okay, this is what I need. Um, That is what I need. And there's no like right or wrong. It's like, when you look at it, you'll, you'll figure out, okay, I, I I really just don't want to do this by myself. Like, or I really just I need more, more capital, more money to to get this off the ground. Maybe I'll do like a fundraiser, or maybe I'll go for funding, you know, and you can decide what path you want to take. But the, it starts with acknowledging the fear, looking at the as feedback and addressing it, not letting it pile, pile, pile up and not letting fear stop you. Because fear, I have an acronym in the book, you know, false evidence appearing real, you know, and it's like, when you look at it, it's just like, This is not even real. The realness is like with the right support. So many things can be done. Like when we, any of the inventions we look at, the light bulb, the airplane, all of those, or there was a lot of fears around, oh, this is not possible. This is not gonna work. But it took someone saying, you know what? that's just fear. And I'm going to prove that it's possible. There might be a lot of inventions that didn't happen, but it takes those people that push beyond the fear and try it anyway. They follow the feeling, they follow their their intuition, their instincts, and they're like, you know what, it is possible. And I think when you look at fear in that way and you break it down to like, okay, what do I need? Okay, this is what I'm wanting. For some reason, I'm wanting this. And this this is the fear that I have around it what do i need that can address that fear or to address that feedback
0: and i think that's great because you know the the fear is like our our bodies like in some ways like there's it's very related to our bodies like threat response right like we're going outside our comfort zone and our our nervous system wants to be safe and keep us alive and and um and the idea that it's looking at it as feedback is to say okay then yeah, like I need something to get from A to B. That's, that's a really brilliant way of, of looking at it. So what about like, a lot of people have that fear of like, you know, there's something wrong with me, I'm not enough, kind of these uh, sort of old beliefs that, that can really, you know, h- harry people of, for over years and years and years of their life and hold them back. What do you, what do you recommend people do with thoughts and beliefs of like not enoughness?
1: That is the biggest one in my life. I feel like no matter how many books I've written, no matter how many podcasts, I still don't feel like it's enough, you know, and that stems from a deep, uh, not feeling seen, not feeling heard, um, comes from like the abuse that someone can have or might be experiencing in the world. And what is best for that is affirming, affirming. I am enough. My life is valid. My experiences are valid. My work is valid. And you have to affirm because it's just not real. The truth is you are enough. But if your experience keep eliciting these feelings, you can't deny, you have to acknowledge, like, you know, you just can't see like, okay, everything's okay. You have to say like, I feel like I'm not enough because um, even though I'm doing these things, I'm not getting recognition. So you really have to kind of dig a little bit deeper, like, I feel like I'm not enough because even though I'm doing all these tasks at home as a mom, I still don't feel appreciated.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't skip over the uh, uncomfortable piece of acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is so huge in so many ways. It's what we talk about a lot in mindful parenting too. Um, And you talk about affirmations, like you have to affirm that you are enough. And I love this. And but I, I, you know, I grew up like, you know, when SNL had like Stuart Smiley on, it was like, you know, totally making fun of like, gosh, darn it, I am gonna, you know, all that stuff. And so I was kind of like, oh, you know, one of the cool kids, like that's, you know, that's lame or whatever as a a young person. But now I've come around full circle and I use those affirmations. And now I personally see like, that it's really really val- not just really valuable but it just makes a lot of sense because of the, o- the natural innate human negativity bias that it actually just because we're wired for survival it just you know we just our brains tend to look at see things in a negative way so it just takes a little more effort a little more um, conscious deliberate practice to put these positive things in our brains so is that how you see affirmations? I mean, what do you use? I mean, you talk about using them a couple times a day in the book, which I think is so cool. So tell me about that.
1: Yes, I make affirmations every new moon and every full moon. Like if you look at my Instagram, I like have like a list of affirmations um, that I just, I just channel, right? I call them divine downloads. They just come to me and I've just asked for guidance in this season of my life. And then I just, I just start writing down like whatever comes through and whatever I'm inspired to write. And it's such a beautiful practice because that season, it might be like, you know, I might be going through something personally. I might be going through something work related. It might be a mix of the two, but it's really almost affirming where I might have fears in my life, or it might be affirming of, you know, the stuff that we need to work on based on like, you know, the new moon in Sagittarius, like it's based on like adventure. And it's like, where am I? kind of afraid of adventure. So I I kind of know the questions and I know the seasons that we're in based on the moon cycle. So I bring that into it. I know the personal things that I'm experiencing in my life. So based on all those things, those are all the things that are top of mind and that I, I write down and go through my own book. Like my book is my tool I wrote for everyone and myself. <laughs> and I go through and I, I kind of ask myself a question. I kind of bring up all the fears so that when I'm asking for these downloads, the, this clarity of, of affirmations, the affirmations come through to address um, any type of fear or issue or like problem that I'm facing at the time. So I do it and I write it down. Um, I'll post it on my Instagram. sometimes, like in my planner, I love planners. We have a get loved up planner. And I just like, I have, um, you know, journaling pages in there, the new one for 2021. And I write down at the top of each month, I'll make, I'll write down the affirmation that I feel is most empowering. So every time I open my journal, every single day, I see it. And it's a constant reminder. So in the journal, some people like lipstick on the mirror. Um, some people like sticky notes, it's like whatever you like. It's like putting sticky notes in your book. Um, just whatever you're going to see every day. I do think it's important to have a daily practice. of of rituals of affirmation, whether it's one affirmation or a series of affirmation, I think looking at it daily is very important. What else is in your daily practice? Oh, goodness. I got laughed at in my book because I actually list out my entire- This long, I have to say. I was like- People don't understand it's like so important. It's not about being perfect. Like a lot of times people don't like to write down like what would be your ideal schedule. So I take a lot of clients and all my community and students. I'm like, I want you to write down your ideal day. And that's what I did. Now, how many times a year does this ideal day happen? Probably zero. But the fact that it's there, it gives you something to pull from. And because we're just kind of starting off with a clear slate and we like the day, You know, bring us what it brings us instead of us taking charge of our day and saying, I would like to experience when I wake up in the morning, I write in my journal and I look look at the sunset and then I um, say my affirmations and then I have some tea and then I do my practice. And so I kind of have my ideal day, but does it happen every day? No. Like this morning, I went to get a package, I had a deep conversation with my boyfriend, Um, you know, and I liked it. I didn't get my practice in today yet yeah, maybe i'll do it later on but i did it and i didn't get my tea but i ate a donut for breakfast and usually i don't even eat this early you know so it's like it's okay it's like but my schedule is still there maybe tomorrow i have meditation and water to start and then a green juice which is my ideal right and so i really challenge people to write down the idea like you know when you feel your best every day people know what it is they, they no, no wake up drink water um, have the affirmation time, have whatever. It is. It's different. Some people like to wake up and dance, like whatever it is. I encourage people to write it down. Don't beat themselves up when they don't do it, but maybe notice how they feel when they do it like three days in a row. Like you do the rituals. So some of the rituals to answer your question. Um, I love journaling. I love meditation, yoga, um, breath work. And I like at least walking a mile a day. And sometimes I walk it. Sometimes I walk and jock it but that is my ideal consistent morning. Um, And then when I have time, usually I grab water and a green juice before noon. I try to keep liquids in the morning and that makes me feel my best. But like I said, today I had had two donuts. It was really great. I got this package it was in there. I ate it, it was great. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, and sometimes it's so important to kind of, you know, realize you don't have to be perfect and you can have those donuts for breakfast and like, you know, you're still gonna be healthy. You're still gonna look good. Your skin is still gonna glow. Now, if you eat donuts for breakfast every single day, now we have a problem. So it's like about setting up your schedule that is ideal, but don't beat yourself up if you know you're not perfect at it or you just kind of want to have an unguilty pleasure and do something different sometimes. And that's how you keep yourself healthy. When it's like there, the structure is there, but you give yourself grace around it.
0: Love that, and for the record, everybody, Koi's skin really does glow. Um, (laughs) So, and she had a donut, but you talk also. You (laughs) two two donuts, two donuts. (laughs) I mean, I love that. I mean, one of like my greatest spiritual teacher, uh, I would say in my life has been the Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh. And in that community, when you go on retreats there, they have a lazy day every week every, all year long, they have a lazy day where they're like, sorry, we don't have anything scheduled. Do whatever you want, you know? No, me- <laughs> meditate if you want, you know? It's like, which I think is really healthy. You know, I think that's such like a healthy attitude. But you talk about discipline in the book. And I think that it's, this can be really hard, like this balance between discipline and openness, you know, like, cause one of the, some of the work I do sometimes is helping people to develop a, a practice. And, you know, I, I guess maybe one of the places I've come around to is like, well, I guess as you're developing something, you do have to have maybe more discipline. And as it becomes more established, more of like a firmly, you know, this is part of who I am and what I do, then you can have a little more openness about it. What do you say to that? I feel like structure is important. And I feel like more times than not, you have to do what's healthy for you. And you have to
1: do what's best for you if you're interested in optimal health and vitality, which of course I am all about. Um, I've been plant-based vegan for 15 years. I live a very healthy life. I take vitamins, I take herbs, I take supplements that whatever I'm missing in my diet, I get my blood work done, like I am on it. And I'm a foodie. People say, you can't say you're a foodie and be a vegan. I was like, yes, you can. Cause I'll eat anything as long as it's vegan. I'll try it, you know, and hopefully it's good. But I know I function best when I eat like a specific way, and I mostly eat uh, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds versus processed food, but I'll have a donut, I'll have pizza, I'll have hot dogs, like I'll have all these things, but I do notice, like, especially when I'm traveling, I love to check out all the vegan things, all the vegan restaurants, and wherever I'm going, I'm going to taste all the food, because again, I am a foodie, I'm going to claim it because I want it, you know, and so I feel like you have to For me, everyone's not like that. Some people eat to live and it's like, I'm just eating whatever I need to eat to function my highest. And I do that most of the time, but then I have this other side of me that this is like ravaging foodie that I I want it, but I don't have to like eat to oblivion when I was younger, I would have these eating contests. Like I was one of those people that would be like, eat like 50. (laughs) I would go to this (laughs) restaurant called Ryan and I would eat like a boatload of food, like four plates of food. Then I have a salad and it create more space in my stomach. I eat like more, like it didn't make any sense. It was just a silly thing. (laughs) So I'm not like that. Like I don't like stuff myself, but I like to taste food. I like to share food. I like the experience of food. I'm a very passionate person. And so I feel like if you're like if you're not like that you're not like that and that's fine but if you are like that for a while i actually deprived myself from that that emotion until i realized that no i really love experience the experience of different types of food although i've done fast like i've done um my favorite is like the the master cleanse which is the only thing that i do that doesn't involve textured food in your mouth like green juices not great on like i've tried all these other things and i get cranky but the master cleanse which is some people call the lemonade diet i was able to somehow that balance my created a balance in my blood sugar and i was able to do it but mostly i think food is good and people should eat food that is good for them most of the time and when you are eating food that's processed that's not good not as good for you not as healthy for you it should be in moderation you should have those free days to where i don't think you know i i refrain from calling it like uh what is it cheat days right Mm -hmm. that that puts a negative connotation in your mind because you feel like you're cheating no and so i call them unguilty pleasures so it's like don't be guilty about it enjoy your food because what will happen, especially what was happening with some of my clients who were doing that, is like they would eat healthy during the week and then on the weekend they would have cheat days. Oh, I do whatever I want on the weekend. Well, you can negate any positive results you had during the week. With a super bingey, I mean, easy. Two days of going out and eating out, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. let's say you have pancakes and like all the fixing and all the chocolate and all the salt. You got to eat for lunch as your friend. You start drinking. Uh, you know, at lunch you're drinking, at dinner having all the things. It's days- like making me ill thinking about it. <laughs> So many people do it. So I have to say, like, and, and it's the biggest thing that I, as a coach, um, you know, and as a holistic health coach, I actually have to retrain people's mind to realize that that is actually not the move. Like, you can still enjoy yourself, but do it one meal or do it like two meals or like maybe if you eat, don't eat all the things, maybe share some meals, you know? So you, I really do have to speak to that because it is a thing, allowing yourself to have, okay, today I had two notes. That's more than one. That's a lot. I've had times where, look, I'm not perfect. I've had times where I have five or six. I mean, my students brought me this big birthday cake made out of donuts, because I really love donuts. And I ate like six or seven at once before a photo shoot. Like, I was like, okay, Gawain, you've gone too far now. So there is a balance. And I think we all know when we're like exceeding that balance, but even then, it's like, don't beat yourself up. Notice that you had a pimple the next day. Notice that you didn't feel your stomach didn't. Just notice these things. Give yourself grace and say, hey, I'm not going to do that next time. Next time I'll stop with two or three or maybe just one. So I think it's about just being honest with ourselves, but also giving ourselves grace at the same time to have these experiences in life, which is what we're here to do as humans. And then say, notice like, okay, that didn't feel so great. Maybe I'm going to be a little bit more mindful next time.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, do you feel like yoga has, has made you been, be more aware of your body? Cause I used to like binge on like sweets and sugary things when I was in uh, college. If I was just like feeling badly, I would like eat, make a whole bunch of cookies or whatever, you know, and, um, I would run the next day for a little while or whatever, but <clears throat> I never, I never had like a, a conscious place where I was like, Oh, I'm stopping that. But I, there's, Somehow between you know grad school and now, somewhere in the middle there, and yoga was a big part of my life, has been a big part of my life in the middle of there, and meditation. But just like I'm aware of, like it doesn't feel good, and like now I have zero problem with that. And yeah, I I eat cheese balls on occasion. I have no guilt about it. I love those hers cheese puffs. They're the best. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, you know, it's uh it's, it's giving yourself grace. You know, I feel like it goes back to that. And I feel like, you know, I, the chapter of my book is specifically called there's freedom and discipline. Yeah. So the freedom you get is when you're mostly doing the things that are good for you, it gives you more freedom to do those things that are just like, again, maybe not as healthy, but, you know, those unguilty, unguilty pleasures. But when you're doing that all the time, you're like, hey, I can do whatever I want. I'm grown. I'm not, a, you know, I can eat whatever I want. Then you actually don't have freedom because you are going to be having to take pills and be in the hospital and you're going yeah. to unfortunate repercussions or like me lay it up for a year, you know, um, not being able to do something that I really love because I wasn't mindful. And to your point, yes, yoga, it allows you to slow down. It allows you to listen to your body more, connect with your spiritual intuition more, which does guide you through making the best choices for yourself. So when you're not as connected to that, you're like just doing what everyone else doing, what everyone else doing, I could do it, I'm doing it less than that person. You actually start comparing yourself mm-hmm. and your journey with other people when really you shouldn't. It should be based on what's best for you because we have different constitutions, we come from different places, everyone has a different way um, they process whatever it is they're experiencing. So it's more important for you to tune in to what you're experiencing and make the best choices for yourself and yoga definitely helps you slow down and become more mindful simply because you're more in alignment with what's happening in your body you're noticing a little bit more than just running around doing whatever and like making no connection um, to that internal guidance
0: okay so i i i'll i'll talk about this because or i'll ask you about this because you mentioned the the chakras and and I guess this is like a little bit of a, a confession for me as a, as like a, a you know, a yoga teacher and uh, that I've always been kind of like, I don't know, I just feel like, I don't know, what's the science behind, like, what is this thing? Like, I don't, I, I've i never <laughs> really dived into it because I'm, I have like a, a good amount of skepticism about that, I suppose. I would say so. Maybe if you could give me like, like, what do you say to that that person who is like, "What the heck is this all about?"
1: <laughs> I love chakra.
0: Skeptics. I
1: just love it because I was definitely a skeptic when I started too, and it's like the thing that I kind of start out with is like, you know, when you have a gut feeling and you feel like in your gut, you're like, "Oh, I'm I having," I know I want to say something. It's like that's all around not standing in your power like in the solar plexus, you know, right above your navel. that's all it has to do with standing in your power. And then sometimes when, and more sensitive people feel this and I'm a very sensitive person, which is why I can help people so deeply because I can feel things within myself and others. So I would not speak my truth, not say something that needs to be said. And then I would go hoarse. You've heard this from singers. So like, I'm like, I can't even talk. Like you start to lose your voice. You feel that lump in your throat. That is something. So when most people have felt the lump in the throat, most people have felt the gut feelings. So usually I kind of talk about those two things. Or sometimes when you go through heartbreak, sometimes you actually feel physical pain in your heart, like our cramping in your heart. And so I usually go there to let people understand that our emotions affect our body physically.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Some people can be in yoga. You know, they won't know this if they're not in yoga, but in yoga and they're doing hip openers or, or pigeon pose and stuff like that. And they're like, oh my goodness, I just start crying and I didn't know Why? All right. So when you can lead people to that gut feeling and that lump in the throat, something that most people have experiences, I used to talk to people from that space and then and then talk about how we are energetic beings. We are energy. That's why scientifically when the sun comes out, we feel, and in the summertime, high things are heightened people are aggressive more antsy if you have kids you know what i'm talking about like people are kids are calmer in the winter we are calmer people in the winter there's a lot there's a lot less death there's a lot less murder there it's, it's this scientifically. the science and now we have science if you uh read uh becoming supernatural by joe Dispenza, he really breaks down and he has now started the scientific study behind our spiritual energy centers our chakras the benefits of meditation so now because you don't know until you know until you hook people up to like machines and actually study the emotions and how they change i mean you you have to go with what people are saying right so i go i take people back to their feelings and that usually helps people say all right I'll, let me try this and then once people start trying like the that have a whole chapter dedicated to the chakras and understanding when they're um under active, over active or balance so when your chakra let's say your root chakra it's all around feeling safe and secure so if you're moving or if you don't feel stable in your home it can actually affect your work it affects your relationship and people are like oh yeah you know i didn't feel safe so it's like i was getting in arguments with my partner um nothing seemed to be going right well your core base chakra of feeling safe and supported was shook that's why you were having all these problems. When you move up to um, the sacral chakra, which is just below, below your navel, and that's all around um, expression. And sometimes when we're young, especially as women, we want to do these dances, but we're telling, ta- "Oh, you're being too sexual. Oh, you're like a stripper. You know, we're yeah. like, oh. Oh, I can't do that, or I can't dress that way, or something's gonna happen to me, or we, we, we've been, even experienced um, assault, which I share in my book. And that actually closes down our ability to express ourselves, you know? And so, working with that, and when people have had different traumas or different relationships and they, the relationships with different chakras and they work with it, they notice, like, oh my goodness, I feel like I could dance that. So, it's really experiential. So, the first thing is number one, getting people to try it. And number two, experiences speak for themselves don't believe me just try it and so usually that gets people to try it and then when they experience it they're like thank you so much oh my goodness this really works i'm not a skeptic anymore so i would tell you to just like dive in and just do the work and try some of the things and you're gonna notice like it's too many people at first even when i learned about it myself and i did it for myself i was like oh no one's gonna believe me though like because i work with the mainstream a lot And you know, I work with my family. I remember my sister. It took six years for her to even start meditating. I'm like, Telena, this is gonna help you, this is gonna be great. And I tell her, oh yeah, no one's doing that. And then finally after five years, she's like, koya I start meditating. It's so good. And now she's so deep into it. And you know, at first it was it was it was tough. So I would say to anyone listening there, if you're remotely interested or remotely going through things, just work with it trust it and see what happens, see what happens. But I've had very few people who've really committed fully to like, you know what? All right, fine. Fine. This is silly. I'm skeptic, but let me just fully dive in for like a month and see what happens.
0: Okay. Have- so so just to be clear, like I would want to like say identify which chakra I had a balance imbalance in, right? Yeah. And then I would want to do some specific, that's what you mean by dive in, I would want to do some specific set practices to balance that That, energy. Yep.
1: And so in my book, I have a quiz, so it's like, I have a series of questions and you answer yes or no to them. And then based on that, you can see which chakra that you need to work on where you're either overactive or underactive. And some people will go through, they're like, I'm like not balancing all my chakras or I'm not balancing like three of them. Is that bad? And it's like, it's neither bad nor good. It's just information. And based on that information, if you follow the prompts, because I give prompts, if, whether it's overactive or underactive, we give prompts. If you follow them, you'll notice things change. Things change and you cannot, you cannot find results. Like you cannot deny results and so the results speak for themselves that's how it is in wellness it's like you're going to this gym they're like oh if you do a b and c you're going to lose weight and it's like it's one thing if you go and you're not losing weight but if you go and you don't believe it like what exercise what this exercise make no sense but if it weight comes off and you're like all right well it is what it is because people do the silliest fad diets <laughs> but they stick with it because it brings results and then when we go into stuff like that. That's a whole nother conversation, but it's like, but is that sustainable? Mm-hmm. Right. And so working with your chakra is sustainable because it's really, it doesn't really cost you a thing. And it's something that's within your power, it's within your wheelhouse. And when most people do it, they experience results.
0: All right. I'll, I'll take you up on your challenge. Obviously, I have not done the quiz yet, but, but see, there's my post it note. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> do the quiz. We're converting you to chakra lover. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. We're, we're, we're still on the fence here.
1: (laughs) I have like this uh, chakra smoothie challenge, like seven days. And I have like a smoothie for each (laughs) chakra because it goes into what you wear and what you eat and how it all matters. And you even look at the marketing. These restaurants know it. Why do you think every every building like looks like McDonald's? It's like red and yellow. Oh, what do those colors do? Well, they have something to do with your emotion. and They make you feel hungry. Then blue makes you feel less hungry. So pe- interior t- designers say, "Okay, yeah, if you have a problem with, you know, emotional eating, then make your kitchen blue." Like all of these things scientifically make sense but they're not they're not really circled back to our everyday living but it's already out there that you know vibrations music um colors like all of these things affect us in a physical way
0: yeah and and i completely agree and i love i i know we're wrapping up here but i just have to say that i was like so thrilled to see that like you have like a motivational <laughs> playlist too. Cause that's like one of my favorite things is I have this like inspired and confident playlist. Cause I know that like word lyrics get stuck in my head. Like that's just the way my brain is. I went on a silent retreat and it was like, I was like a nonstop radio. And so I want to get word lyrics that are like going to inspire me and like lift me up and make me feel good. And so I was like, Oh yeah. Like I have that song. I have that song. <laughs> it was really fun <laughs> to look at your list.
1: <laughs> I think that's awesome. And that just shows like music raises your vibration. So that is, that is a good, like, so it's like you already are experiencing the power of being able to shift your energy through vibrations. You're just using the vibration modem of yeah. music.
0: That's awesome. We'll have to like trade playlists. Of um, yeah. <laughs> well, course it has been so fun to, uh, to talk to you. And I really enjoy your book and your work. And I, I really appreciate what you're bringing into the world. Um, where can people find a, more about you and what you're doing?
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a treat to just hang out with you and chat with you. And people can find me at koyaweb.com, K O Y A W E B B. And uh, on Instagram, koyaweb. My community is Get Loved Up. Love yourself, love others, love the world. And um, Get Loved Up has its own Instagram and also website, getlovedup.com. And my book is, as you've mentioned, uh, thank you for mentioning, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth
0: amen i love that i that's like so up my alley i love that let's let's make him our teachers so thank you so much koya and uh thank you for doing what you're doing and for confessing to your donuts and to <laughs> sharing all your wisdom today it's been a real pleasure i really enjoyed it thank you thank you for having me i love what koya had to say about our fears you know let them be our teachers Yes, yes yes you know we're all gonna have them it's just part of our wiring and we don't have to let them hold us back no no way jose so if this is a year you want to make some shifts and changes you can absolutely do that i mean that's really the only thing that we can count on that is inevitable is that we will be changing so how will we be changing and and can we Get ourselves comfortable with that discomfort that comes with change. It, it, we can, and it can bring us outside that comfort zone in a really beautiful way and make it feel that life is really generous with us in, a, in an incredible way. If you have gotten something out of this podcast, of course, I want your support. My team wants your support. We would love it if you subscribe and leave a rating, of course, on Apple Podcasts. And if you could take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at mindfulmamamentor.com. Let me know where you're listening, when you're listening, what you're getting out of it. I hope that you're doing that and I can see it and I can say, yay. And I love doing that. It's really a joy and connecting with you. And uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you real soon. We have some amazing guests lined up for this year and some amazing teachings and trainings, and I cannot wait to connect with you more on the Mindful Mama podcast. I am so grateful for your ears, grateful for you to listen. You know, if you want to support the podcast, subscribing, leaving a rating is a great way, supporting the sponsors is a great way. I seriously love those Zycam swabs and so nice. Do those things and, and that helps support the team to keep it all going and keep it coming to you for free in your ears. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your time. I'm so glad to be connecting with you and I cannot wait to connect more. Wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. Namaste.
2: I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids
4: for the
0: better. It will
4: help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives.
1: So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you.
0: No matter what
4: age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I had this
2: you can continue in your old habits that aren't working, or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting.
3: Are you
0: frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting, and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com
4: Oh hey everybody! It's us, Blair and Molly your old pals from Toddler Purgatory two moms who are also actors who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck and this is our new podcast Unsticking It with Blair and Molly what happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear gone, poof Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was